shooting. Skimmer Way near Lakewood, Charles 478, Tango. Thank you for joining us on Inside EMS. Now the always entertaining Chris Zebalero and the Ted Nugent of EMS, Kelly Grayson. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's once again time to go Inside EMS. I'm Chris, and without my sidekick, without my partner, I can't do this show. Here he is, Kelly Grayson. Kelly, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm glad to get out of the uh, out of the outside and sitting in the couch and air conditioning. I've been doing yard work all day. Air conditioning? It's like 30 degrees. Dude, it is 79 degrees outside of my house Jesus, right now. Man. So, yeah. Straight out I've of Pitkin, huh? Straight out of Pitkin. That's right. Straight out of Pitkin. So that's good, man. A little bit of yard work, getting ready for the springtime, planting. What are you doing? Like, you, you got your own little garden? Are you one of those gardener it's, guys? No, Nancy's the gardener guy. I, I, um, oh, the gardener I guy? Just, yeah, get her on the I phone. Just, Let me talk to her. I, I just perform honeydews. That's that's all I can do, man. And it's a never-ending task. It's the, the trials and tribulations of the uh, homeowner. Uh, yeah, how about got that? a one point three acre wooded lot, and uh, it's a constant battle to stay ahead of the leaves and sticks and brush and everything else. So, well, it sounds like you're doing a really good job, but uh, it you know, sucks. I- it sucks. <laughs> stop, God, it, stop. I hate it. It's all right. Calm down. <laughs> Calm down. Somebody needs to give this guy a sugar cube. All right, just relax. Just relax. Everything's going to be okay. Let's go ahead and get to something that you like to do, and that's talking about EMS. How about that? Yeah, and I'm even willing to put up with you to do it. How about so that? What about that? Now not, you're taking that crap out on me. You're not quite as bad as raking leaves. I'll say well, that. Well, thank for you, you so much. That's so much. Uh, <laughs> you know, if I was to think about, uh, I'd rather chew on tinfoil while shaving my head with a cheese grater than sit here and talk to you. But uh, <laughs> I think we're gonna have to talk a little bit about some conflict resolution on the show here in a little bit. But yeah, yeah, we will. This is a good prelude, though. You know, so one of the things, Kelly, that I think we need to touch on is. You know, we do our jobs as EMTs and paramedics, and it's really important that we rely on the people that we're working with. And, you know, you have a good partner. And I was just looking on uh, my Facebook page and, you know, one of the, the folks that used to work at Christian Hospital with me, their, their partnership is splitting up after three years. I mean, there are mm-hmm. partners that are spent, you know, years together. They, they just oh, yeah. enjoy working with each other. But sometimes, sometimes we got to work with people that we just don't like. Sometimes, you know, those people got bad reputations or those people mm-hmm. we hear that they give poor patient care or or maybe, you know, uh, some of our some of our uh, uh, partners or or have have multiple boyfriends and girlfriends within the organization. And we know that we're working with them tomorrow. And, uh, you know, we got a little bit of an attitude about it. We feel a little bit uncomfortable with it. But we always say I could work with I anyone. I can work with anybody. Right. Yeah. But are we really working with anyone? Or are we just tolerating someone for our shift? And I think it would be really good to kind of delve into why we have these feelings of uh, uncomfortable, uneasiness, or I mean, whatever we want to call it, but really kind of look at how do we fix those relationships or how do we accept those relationships and how we should be handling those things without really getting lost in the fact of I'm going to be in the truck for somebody for 12 hours, 24 hours, and I just can't stand them. You know, it's funny you should mention that because for the first seven years at my current employer, I was, I was probably the bomb proof medic. I was the medic that you put uh, first of all, I worked the, the most undesirable shift in the, in the district. And, uh, I went through a steady succession of partners and it wasn't because I was running them off. It's just no, you know, the very few people wanted to deal with that shift. Uh, so as a result, I got, uh, all the new students, uh, 
and all the new paramedics. I would break in a, a brand new hire EMT and, and get them ready for paramedic school. And after four or five months, they'd, they'd move to another shift that was conducive to, to paramedic school. Or I'd get a uh, new paramedic uh, just graduated and I'd do his clearance time until he was ready for his own truck. Um, so I, I've had to deal with a bunch of different partners. And and truthfully, it's it's uh, it's hard sometimes, especially with uh, with a longtime EMT that you that has a, a reputation among his peers uh, in in overcoming some of your prejudices and in in, uh, in dealing with these people. Um, I found that a whole lot of them, uh, a whole lot of the rumor mill uh, is is absolutely unreliable. And and my experience in working with most of these quote unquote problem children was was totally the opposite of, of what the conventional wisdom was. You know, a lot of these conflicts that you run into are simply matters of, of style. You know, you people have different ways of approaching medical care. Until you you develop your your choreography and and that unspoken communication between the two of you, uh, it can be a struggle. But it's worth doing. Um, the best thing to do is to go into the relationship with an open mind and don't have a, any preconceived notions about the the person you're working with. You know, I think that one of the things that really goes into this, I like how you said that to go in with no preconceived notions. But when we're listening to what's going on in our organization, we are putting a lot of value in what other people are saying. I mean, I got to tell you, I was a people thought I was a difficult person to work with. I was very, very focused. You know, I believed in uh, what patient care should look like, you know, as the paramedic on the truck, uh, working with an EMT partner. I wanted to make sure that the patient received the highest quality of patient care possible. And, and I think that one person, me, I did the assessment. And my EMT would get, get me vital signs, get me history. If there was anybody in the house, they were going through medicines. As I was kind of feeling my way through and, and developing rapport with the patient. Now, one of the things that was a challenge is sometimes I would work with EMTs who would want to talk during the assessment. And what I always had a challenge with was people whose heads that went back and forth as they're talking. I mean, it shouldn't be a tennis match. They should be focused on one person. You should be concentrating on the, you know, the chief complaint or the history of present illness, whatever it is. And they shouldn't be going back and forth. But people would not want to work with me because they wanted to be able to have a say in what went on into the patient assessment. So, But when, when folks finally got onto the truck and they wound up working with me, they realized how easy that flowed. And sometimes it was their call. Sometimes it was, it was my call. And I gave them the same respect. But a lot of people would have said that, you know, people said that you're a difficult person to work with. Well, a lot of people who are saying that have never worked with me. Well, you know, it's it's funny that you should mention that because I, I have a slightly different approach to uh, division of duties than you do. Um, uh, I, I've always been the the stand back, big picture, non-interventional paramedic who uh, um, mainly gathers history on a scene. It's my job to ask questions and to uh, uh, to, to obtain a history of, of present illness and to interpret assessment findings. But I let my EMT do all of those, uh, all of the assessment. If there's something hands-on that's within the scope of practice of an EMT, they're going to be doing that. Now, you know, they'll put on the 12 lead. They'll put on all the monitoring equipment. I'll decide what that 12 lead means and what I need to do with that information. And likewise, and, and yeah, it, it is, tough uh, when two people are questioning the patient at the same time. But I've always had that talk with my partners that, uh, you know, that, that getting to know you talk that you have on the first night on the truck together. And you say, look, and I would tell them, look, uh, I'm an easy person to work with. Um, my general rule is, is, is I take the histories and you do the assessments. If there is a question that I missed, 
by all means, ask it. I don't care who asks the questions as long as I have the answers, um, but don't talk over me. Um, and if I have a problem with you, I'm going to take it up with you after the call, never in front of the patient, and, and we're going to address it as partners. So what, sta- what happens on the truck uh, stays on the truck unless – there's a problem you and I can't resolve talking amongst each other as, as equals. Uh, if we can't resolve it between us, then I'll get a supervisor involved. But otherwise, uh, you got my back, I've got yours, and, and we'll get along uh, on this shift. You know, and, and really, all relationships boil down to the golden rule. Treat others as, as you would wish to be treated yourself. You know, it sounds trite, it sounds simplistic, but it really is the truth. Uh, treat everyone uh, like you'd want to be treated, and uh, it, it flows pretty simple from there. It's not rocket science. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're right. But I think that, you know, we've all been in that position of working with somebody that we weren't looking forward to. And I think we really need to kind of give some tips on how to do that. You know, one of the things that I... Uh, always did was is I always wanted to get to the root of it. You know, there's a rumor going around about you, Kelly, mm-hmm. that says you like to sit in your beanbag chair and, and eat Cheetos, not with the uh, with a lot of clothes on, let's say. So I don't know if that's, that's true. And I would say rumor? Rumor? No. That's not rumor. Yeah, I mean, but, but really we're kind of talking about those things and we're kind of getting to the yeah. crux of it. If I have a problem with it, which I shouldn't, because whatever you do in your off time, and what'd you say a few mm-hmm. weeks ago, off time is naked time. Whatever right, you do, babe. whatever you do in your off time should make no difference to uh, you and I working together. And I think that, but that runs into some problems sometimes with EMTs and paramedics. I, I can't count the number of times people have come into me and said, I, I can't work with a female partner. Uh, well, why is that? Well, it makes my wife very uncomfortable that we're whatever. You know, let's go ahead and get to the crux of this matter. Let me tell you what, you know, Kelly, you, you, you're coming here and I hear that you don't have the very best of work ethic. This is, mm-hmm. what, I, this is what I ask of you during this shift. That your duties should be this, 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 and this. I'm going to handle this, 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 and this. You know, let's, let's try to find some fun in the day. Let's try to have some conversation in the day. You know, but nowadays, if you don't, you know, like somebody, it used to be that, uh, you know, you're listening to your country music for 12 hours a shift, and I ain't listening to that crap. Uh, but now everybody's got their headphones in and they're kind of looking at their own thing and they're watching TV yeah. and, you know, watching movies and so on and so forth. Remember back in the day, I don't know if you remember, but I did, I'd read a matchbook cover because I was so bored. I would count the ants <laughs> going into the anthill because I would get so bored. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now I think yeah. it's a different, uh, I think it's a different animal now because we're, we're you know, we don't have to talk yeah. and we don't have to do those things. But we really got to get to the crux of the matter, I think, and, and kind of find out the catalyst to if we're, what we're feeling is legit. Otherwise, yeah. what we're doing is we're just persecuting somebody for uh, something that may not even be true. Well, you know, and, and, and so much of, of conflict, interpersonal conflict, is, is uh, about uh, annoying habits. They don't necessarily, you know, your partner that you can't stand is not necessarily a bad person and an evil human being who needs to be destroyed. Uh, they just have quirks that annoy you. Um, you know, they, they smack their gum or they don't step away from the, the ambulance when they step out to smoke. First of all, I probably have many personal quirks that annoy the heck out of my partners. You know what they uh, are? So I try. You, you know what those quirks are? Well, one of them is being right all the time, and I really oh can't. Oh my gosh! I, I really you're can't. Right. You're right. That does get on your nerves. That, yeah, that you're absolutely See, right. But the, I know that people who think they know everything are really annoying to those of us who do. But uh, <laughs> I try to be. I try to be cognizant of of the things I do that annoy. People. 
and and some of those things you know i'm a i'm a i'm a big old country redneck boy and sometimes my humor uh is a little bit off color and and i have to watch what i say around females because some of that would be what could be uh misconstrued so i you know you have to censor yourself and it's just good manners you know it's what your mama taught you to, how to talk in front of a lady um so, so I'm, I'm trying to be aware of those sorts of things, but, but, uh, a lot of times the things our partners do to annoy us are things that they're totally unaware of. Um, that's and, a good point. And, that's a really good and, point. Yeah. The key to contra- conflict resolution is to bring up those things and non-judgmentally and, and just say, look, you know, can we, we figure out some way to resolve this instead of just stewing until it boils over and go like, dude, would you stop smacking your gum? Right. Right. That sort of, but you know, one other thing I wanted to, to point out is that when it comes back to, to preconceived notions, a lot of times partners take their cues from each other, um, and, and especially in, in systems where it's a medic EMT uh, uh, staffing thing. Um, you find a lot of EMTs take their cues from their medic partner, uh, whether no matter how many strictures you put in place to say, well, you know, you're a team on this truck and, and you, you both have equal value. Uh, they tend to treat the medic as a senior person responsible for most things on the truck. Um, so a medic who sets a bad example to an EMT, uh, often gets a, a bad EMT in, in response to that. Uh, and then they go work with someone else, and, and they don't work and play well with other people uh, um, because they're not used to, you know, their, their former medic partner let them get away with all sorts of things or, or didn't bother to resolve the problems uh, uh, that, uh, that arose in their relationship. And, and then they bring that baggage with them when they come to work with you. Um, I found that a lot of people that had bad reputations – came over to work with me and didn't have a single problem with them because I tried to set a good example from the very beginning. On the other hand, I've probably had my days where I set bad examples too. And, and, uh, just try to be aware of those and and not make those mistakes again in the future. We have those days almost every week. Yeah. Yeah. So, but here, but here's the, but but you edit all the, you edit out. all. You're absolutely right. I I don't, I want you to be seen in the proper light. So I don't want anybody to see the true (laughs) you, but, but here's one, another thing that I want to bring up Kelly, because I think you brought up something that was very important. We have the tendency of passing judgment on people who don't believe what we believe. So whether they're Republicans mm-hmm. or Democrats or they're Catholics or Protestants or Baptists or uh, they don't eat meat, we have the tendency to look down upon people who don't believe, who don't have the same values, who don't have the same moral structures that we do. And I think one of the things that we have to do as people is we've got to be able to find the good and the value in people. So what you don't believe, you know, so what you're a libertarian, so what you're a a meat eater. That doesn't mean that I have to be, you know, you know, when it comes to religion, if you want to discuss religion and try to uh, ingratiate your religion upon me. I'm happy to talk to you about it, but you're not going to change my mind, and you're not going to, uh, um, you know, make me want to, you know, convert whatever it is. Yeah. But I, but I think we we approach the differences in people wrong. And, you know, uh, you and I have many, many differences. We have differences about how we run calls. We have differences about religion. We have, mm-hmm. and, and we don't allow that to become part of the, you know, the, the differences that we have. And because in the end, we're, we're in this for the same reasons. Exactly. And that commonality is more important than any differences we may have. Yeah, and I agree. But, but how do we get around that? How do we, how do we believe in just ourselves 
and not you know and that's what i don't understand like when people argue like you and i were going to have a discussion about politics you take the republican side i'll take the democratic side let's go ahead and argue about it but why do we have to argue just because you have an opinion and i have an opinion maybe i don't think you're right maybe you don't think i'm right but i don't have to argue with it if you don't want to see my point that's okay but yeah, it, but I don't have to yell at you, and I don't have to say that you're an idiot because you don't see my point. It's just we have to agree to disagree, and I don't think we yeah. do that enough. Well, people people invest themselves uh, invest too much of themselves in their political uh, affiliations, their religious affiliations, their darn sports teams, you know. And 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 tribalism is is rampant throughout every culture, uh, not just EMS. Um, and we, we all tend to focus on our differences and rather than our commonalities, but, but getting over those things and learning how to agree to disagree is just, I think it requires some degree of introspection and self-reflection and, and the ability to just divest yourself of your personal, um, you know, your personal attachment or your, your personal stake in whatever it is you're discussing. Um, if you can do that, uh, makes you a little more objective, uh, um, you know, reviewer of facts and, and so on and so forth. It, me, I don't, you know, I, I don't care about politics. Uh, I do care about politics. I just don't care to argue over them because I don't find it productive to argue over two candidates, uh, either of which we would usually cross the street to avoid. But but other little things, probably the the one thing that I cannot get over and, and I cannot just agree to disagree is is people's attitude toward others. If if I am at work with a rude partner uh, someone who, who uh, lacks compassion with their patients uh, and is uh, rude and surly or, or sarcastic to to uh, other uh, team members and that sort of thing. Uh, they've got that sort of attitude. That is that's my deal breaker. I usually don't deal well with that sort of situation. I'll try to get to the bottom of it and find out why their attitude sucks. But if I can't figure out why their attitude sucks and do something about it, um, we don't stay together long. You know, I, that would probably be my line in the sand is that when I'm trying to develop a rapport with a patient, uh, you got some other pa uh, your partner's passing judgment on them right. and making inflammatory statements and their whole body language just just radiates condescension. That kind of thing is uh, has no place on my truck. And that's uh, that's the one quirk that I have relatively little patience with. What do you mean your truck? Isn't it my truck, too? it's our truck okay well thank you very much for playing well you <laughs> right stay up on... to the right up, the right up to the point where i have to kick you off of that's it, right my well truck. you that's stay right. on your part of, you stay on your end of the truck i'll stay on my but kelly i think one of the things that we want to do now is i wrote an article back in 2013 mm -hmm. that was three steps to resolve conflict in the ambulance cab and the byline was when the people in the front of the ambulance clash Here's how to get them back on the right road. And since we're talking about this, I just want to kind of talk about the three steps to, uh, you know, have successful conflict resolution, because th mm -hmm. this should be one of the skills that they're teaching us in paramedic school, in EMT school, because there is a lot of conflict that we run across, whether it's with our partners, whether it's with our peers, sometimes it's with our patients, sometimes it's with our family. And I think they really have to give us the skills necessary for us to be able to handle those situations. And I think that's a major failure as part of our training. But the first thing that you want to do is you want to be able to prepare for the resolution, prepare 
there for the discussion. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you and I are having a challenge with patient care, you're, you're not bringing in the equipment or you're, uh, whatever it is that I have seemed to have a challenge about. Now, remember this as well. Just because I have a challenge about this, Kelly, doesn't mean mm-hmm. I'm right either. It just yeah. means that I have a challenge. So when we get into this discussion, you may say, well, wait a minute. Don't you think you're being a little bit uh, crazy about this? But you want to be able to prepare for the for the discussion, prepare for the resolution. How important is that in this process, you think? I think it's it's very important, and and uh, one thing I've learned as uh, as in being part of a uh, a uh, long term relationship is you never use the c word describing your partner's behavior ever. <laughs> so especially if if, if it's you, your wife or you girlfriend, comp- don't compromise. No, is that the no, word? No, yeah, well, I don't want to know what the c word is, but let's go. don't use the word crazy. For oh, God's crazy. Sake. Oh, okay, I thought it was compromise crazy don't don't use that word that's a no-go zone you startled me there for a second yeah um but yeah i think first of all uh acknowledging the fact that you have a conflict uh is the best uh is the the first step you should take uh and a vital one because if you continue to ignore it all it does is fester and get to to be something bigger than you can handle um in many cases. So uh, acknowledge that you have a problem early on and communicate effectively, uh, and you can nip those problems in the bud, to, to borrow a phrase from Barney Fife. Okay, well, we got Barney Fife, we got Barney Fife <laughs> on the line now. So, but, but I think you're absolutely right. I mean, we've got to know that there's a challenge, and we have to be uh-huh. ready to discuss it. The other thing that I, I think the number two step that we have to think about is we have to strive to understand the situation. When I say that, just because you have a stake in this argument doesn't mm-hmm. mean that your stake is right. There's a lot of times that we may have been given the same directives, but the way you're going to interpret it and the way that I'm going to uh-huh. interpret it are going to be two different ways. Now, does that mean that I'm wrong? Does that mean that you're wrong? Or does it just means that the person who was talking to us didn't take the audience into account and we got two different interpretations out of it. So it's imperative that when you and I have that discussion, that I try to understand your points. And, and how yeah. best do you get that across to somebody? Well, that's a, well, you stumped me because um, I would go back to my, to my uh, previous statement that you try to divest your, your personal stake in whatever the argument is and see if you can look at it objectively uh, and look at it from the other person's viewpoint. Now, I'm also of the opinion that everyone has uh, everyone is entitled to their own opinion. They're just not entitled to their own facts. Just because that's your opinion, as you stated, doesn't make it right. Um, and, and I have a problem humoring people that are espousing an obviously wrong, misinformed position uh, and refuse to change their their opinion on it. Um, it's one thing trying to debate with someone and argue with them or to resolve a conflict, but if someone is just so obdurate in their in their wrongheadedness, uh, I lose patience with that with that kind of attitude pretty quickly. Um, how to get over that? I don't know. That that might be a character flaw that I just can't overcome. But after a while, uh, I I refuse to play chess with a pigeon. Yeah, I, I would think that they don't have very good uh, strategy. But, well, um, no, they they just they knock over all the pieces, crap all over the board, and strut around like they won anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
uh, yeah. All right. So, but how about but how about this then? One of the things that I've done in the past as well, and you know, as I now start to you know teach leadership, I, I try to do different things. And one of the things I did recently, as I was teaching conflict resolution, is is I asked the person, uh, the two people that had the conflict, to take on each other's argument. Ah. Yeah, there's a little thought exercise that would yeah, encourage and, some and objectivity. It, and it, what it does is it may not change your mind, but a lot of times it gives you an understanding of what the other person is trying to say. Because you're trying really, really hard to get that point across, and mm-hmm. it, it kind of opens your eyes. But the next one that we want to talk about, step three, is eventually as you prepare for this discussion and you kind of talk about the situations you need to be able to reach an agreement you need to be able to come to some course of action that that you partners can do together to make your time in the truck a little bit more easy and i think that uh, you know that's going to be really important and one of the suggestions that i would give you as well is kelly kind of said it earlier and we all believe this we try to take care of everything within our truck Sometimes we've got to go chat with a supervisor. Sometimes that goes to a manager and we've got to tell our whole stories again. If you're taking these steps, if you're preparing for the discussion, Mm -hmm. if you're striving to understand the other persons and you come to a, a resolution, if you come to an agreement, write it out in your truck, write out what you both agree to do and sign it. Now this way, when you take the next steps to go to the supervisor, you don't just go and say, Kelly's bothering me. You go in and you say, look it, we have this challenge. We've talked about it before. We tried to understand each other's situation. We wrote an agreement. This is what we were trying to do. We both signed it. We both agreed to it, but we're still having problems. Can you help us with this? Yeah. Well, you know, that, that kind of goes back to that old uh, leadership adage that, you know, don't don't come to your manager with a problem unless you have a proposed solution as well. Otherwise it's not constructive. It's just griping. Um, so, so try to hash it out, try to come out with some sort of resolution. Uh, and, and if that's not enough, that's, that's the time to get your manager involved. The thing you said earlier about having, uh, the, the two parties argue each other's, um, positions on the thing, uh, to encourage some objectivity in the, in the dispute, uh, really struck home to me. I took a class one time and, and one, one of the quotes from that class that struck me is that the hallmark of intellectual honesty is the active solicitation of opposing viewpoints. You, you never know if you're right until you have uh, you thoughtfully considered the other side of the problem, you know, and, and, and actively asked yourself, what if I'm wrong? Um, and, yeah. and doing that, you know, doing that actually will help, uh, I think would, would help the conflict resolution greatly, um, getting people to see the, uh, the problem from the other side. Um, but that reaching for the agreement, um, and, and you know, writing it out and, and getting your supervisor involved, if that doesn't work, um, I, I think is, uh, is the capstone on it puts a, uh, um, it's the best uh, practice. You could say yeah. it's the best practice. Yeah. Yeah, well, there you go. You were, you, thank you. You wrote it. Uh, uh, you said it just yeah, like I wrote it. That's yeah, right. Yeah, that's it. Thank but let you me for that. make one point here. I, I think one point is really important here as well mm-hmm. is that because you bring up a really good point. A lot okay. of times when we have opinions about things we believe, we are hearing that from other people who believe the same things that we we do. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, whether it's politics, whatever it is, a lot of times we, we, we're, we're hearing it from somebody else. For our little echo chamber. Exactly. So for you to really have an understanding about what you're talking about, 
you really need to know the other end of that argument as well. Mm -hmm. When you talk about the pros and cons of a situation, a lot of times people don't delve into the con or or delve into the other side of that discussion. You know, I'll give you an example of, let's say, capital punishment. There are people who believe in capital punishment. There are people who believe it should be abolished. But when you talk about the reasons why it should be abolished, all they're doing is regurgitating what has been said mm-hmm. but, but they haven't really looked into it themselves and uh, you know again my job isn't to get you to understand or accept my point but you should study the other side of that argument this mm-hmm. way when this comes up you, you know both sides and a lot of times we don't do that kelly we just kind of whatever it is we hear is the next we thing just, that we talk yeah. about we re- we repeat and rephrase our original arguments and nothing we don't talk that's the problem with with ineffective conflict resolution in a nutshell people don't talk to each other they talk at each other and that's not productive uh you have to you have to practice active listening in addition to to your other communication skills now i want to throw it back to you as a manager as a leader who has run an ems agency and and you consult on this sort of thing all the time now how important are conflict resolution and communication skills in your hiring process? The reason I ask that is in my, in my initial interview at Acadian and for other positions I've interviewed for within the company, there was always some sort of scenario. It focused on communication skills and conflict resolution um, and, and how we approach dealing with people uh, that we disagree with or how we approach handling problems that may arise in, in the course of our duties. Uh, that was Im- obviously was important to uh, the human resources people and my, our managers at Acadian Ambulance. How important was it to you at Christian Hospital EMS and how, should, how important should it be to uh, your average EMS manager? Yeah, you know, I got to tell you again, I I think that we don't prepare our EMS providers with these soft skills that they need to be successful. And for me to give you a scenario to say, tell me about a time you had a disagreement with your partner and how did you resolve that? um, You get the same thing all the time. And one of the things that I looked at, we were we were given scenarios, but this scenario, how would you handle it? But I think that's the same process. I'm just not giving you the scenario. But I think the thing that we've got to be able to do is we've got to be able to equip our EMTs and paramedics with the skills necessary. And, and it just doesn't go to EMTs and paramedics. Everybody in our organization, dispatchers, you know, Janet, whoever it is, we've got to be able to give them an understanding of how to allow these things to happen, that they're not bad that when they happen, we need to deal with them this way. So I, mm-hmm. I don't know that initially I, I want to look for skills of integrity. I want to look for skills of good work ethic. I want to look, I, I don't, I don't care how you're going to, you know, deal with a situation in the truck because I get, I think it's my job to help you polish those skills to deal with those situations. Now, okay. it may not be until you come to my office and say, I've got a problem with this. I just want to stab my partner in the eye with a pencil. I don't know that I could work with them anymore. <laughs> okay, well, now let's go ahead and talk about some of the things to do. So I'll sit down with them and I'll take them through the steps of conflict resolution and then ask them to go back and discuss it and come back with that written agreement to say, how are you guys going to work on this and fix it together? Because if I've got to get involved, I'm going to split you both up off your trucks and, you know, because I'm not just switching one person. 
So, well, see, that makes you unusual among EMS managers because most of them that I know would just simply remove all the pencils from the truck. But the problem is, is that then you're, <laughs> then you're, that's how people are getting out of their shifts. That's how people yeah. are getting out of their partners. Yeah. What I want to teach them is the ability to make that happen themselves. But you talked a little bit about active listening earlier, and I could tell you that no one is probably listening to you anymore. So let's go ahead and hit the close. Oh, oh, ended on, ended on a low blow. Good for you, Civilero. <laughs> Okay, fine. Um, folks, that's what we think, or that's what Chris thinks. Uh, I happen to disagree, but we'd like to know what you think. How do you best approach conflict resolution with your partners and coworkers? Email us at the show at ems1.com. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. And for myself and co-host Chris Civilero, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We'll catch you guys next week. You're my best friend, Kelly Grayson. Ha, <laughs> ha.